Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. What can I say new to you um, about love? And, uh, but we're going to talk about that. I just want to encourage you a little bit this morning. Can I do that? A little bit, uh, some reminders. I think all of us need reminders, uh, especially when we talk about love. I mean, it, it is so common. It's so overused and underused. And, uh, but it's the most powerful force in the universe. The most powerful force in the universe when you think about God is love. Amen. I was thinking about um, this lady who uh, broke up with her uh, fiance before they got, they were, they were engaged to be married and uh, they broke up. She broke up with him and uh, just think about love because she, she wrote him a letter. It was a very beautiful letter and she said, you know, dear Jimmy, uh, listen, I, I, I just want to write you a letter and apologize. Uh, you know, I was going through some things in my life, and, um, but I love you. I, you know, there's great unhappiness since we've, we've been apart, uh, more unhappiness than I've ever had in my life up to this point. And I'm writing you to ask, please take me back. You know, I made a mistake. I love you. I love you. No one could ever take your place in my heart, and I am yours forever, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery, by the way. <laughs> That's love, you know, it's just it's love. It's just, it's love from the heart. <laughs> I want to read something to you. I don't have this scripture up on the board. It's a familiar scripture, but I want to read it to you from the Amplified Bible in 1 Corinthians 13. You're welcome to follow along in the version you have. You, many of you probably know much of this passage. But I want to read it this morning in the Amplified Bible to you. So if you don't uh, have your Bible or don't have the Amplified, um, just listen to the words of Paul. Listen to what he had to say again about love. All right, let it be a reminder to you. Listen to these words. I'm going to begin at verse 4. And Paul says this, talking to the Corinthians. He says, love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful. It's not jealous or envious. Love does not brag. Love is not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not provoked nor overly sensitive or easily angered. It does not take into account wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things regardless, regardless of what comes. Love believes all things, looking for the best in each one. Look for the best in the other one. Love hopes all things. It remains steadfast during difficult times. It endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. 
It never fades or ends. But as for prophecies, well, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for the gift of special knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part. We prophesy in part. For our knowledge is fragmented and incomplete. But when that which is complete and perfect comes, that which is incomplete and partial will pass away. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now, in this time of imperfection, we see in a mirror, see in a mirror, and it's faded, it's dim, it's blurred, it's, it's an imperfect reflection that we see in this mirror. But when the time of perfection comes, we will see reality face to face. Now I know in part, just fragments, but then I will know fully just as I have been known by God. And now there remain faith, abiding trust in God and his promises, hope, confident expectation of eternal salvation, love, unselfish love for others growing out of, watch this, God's love for me. These three things, the choicest graces, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I can't think of a better expression, no matter how many times you've read 1 Corinthians 13, I can't think of a better expression of love. It's difficult to define. All of us would probably have our own definition of love. I believe I've said here before, you know, the definition I believe God gave me because I sought the Lord you know, to say, look, I know we all have a definition. I know what I think love is. I can look at my parents. I can look at my wife, my family. I look at people, my friends who love me, uh, you know, and I, I try to define it. And what he gave me was it's the giving of oneself at the expense of oneself for the benefit of another. It's the giving of oneself at the expense of oneself for the benefit <laughs> of another. That's what love is to me. I mean, it's, it's a word that's so broadly and universally used that it can somewhat be very difficult to define and understand what should it be. What is love? What should it be? D.L. Moody once said this, because we're in church and I believe that we can't know love unless we know God's love for us. He said this one time, he said, show me a church where there is love and I will show you a church that is a power in the community. In Chicago a few years ago, a little boy attended a Sunday school I know of, he said. He said when his parents moved to another part of the city, the young man still went back to that same church, to that same Sunday school. And a friend of his in his new church said, why do you go back to that old church for Sunday school? You only come here, you know, on Wednesdays when we have other services, but on Sunday morning you go back to that old church. Why do you do that? There are plenty of other churches, even if you don't like this church. Why would you go back to that one? And uh, his reply was, was very simple. He said, because over there they know how to love a fella. 
That's all. It wasn't because of their great programs that they had, their great children's programs. It wasn't because of the media ministry, the lights. It wasn't because of the music. They sang the songs that he loves. It wasn't because the way that the preacher preached. It was because they loved him. They know how to love a fella. That's what he said, this young man. If we could make the world believe that we loved them, there would be fewer empty churches, fewer empty seats in churches, a smaller proportion of our pop population who never darkened the church doors. This is still D.L. Moody. He says, let love replace duty in our church relations, and the world will soon be evangelized. You want to know how to evangelize people? Love them. <laughs> love them first and foremost. I remember we had the late Dick Iverson, who was head of this uh, ministry that we're a part of, MFI Ministries Fellowship. It's just a fellowship. And um, he was head of that. And this man, he, 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 um, he ministered and served under T.L. Osborne and, um, you know, back in the, the 40s and, and 50s. And uh, he's been all around the world. He's been part of healing uh, ministries. He's been, in, he's been in services where someone had a broken leg. And he said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the man walked. He got up and he leaped and he walked and he was healed. He's been part of all of these things. And he, there's many stories that he has. But here at our church one time, he was here. He said, the greatest thing that you can do for people, out of all the stories that he had, is have compassion. Preached the whole message on one word, compassion. And I thought, wow, out of all of the scripture that he knows, all the schooling, he's been with Oral Roberts and all of these people and all of the knowledge, you know, that he has about scripture, he boiled it down to compassion. We should have compassion one for another. C.S. Lewis once said this about love. He said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. How can you love without being vulnerable? Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. I want you to listen to what he has to say here. He says, if you want to make sure of keeping it intact, he's talking about your heart. You must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven, watch, where you can be perfectly safe from all dangers of love is hell. It's the only place. <laughs> that you're going to be safe from the dangers of love. To love is to be vulnerable. It is to be vulnerable. But I really believe that we cannot understand how to love or to receive love unless we first understand the love that God has for us. Right? We must understand that. There is a scripture that says God is love. It doesn't say God loves. We know he does doesn't say that God knows how to love, doesn't say that God has actions of love, but we know all of those things. But this scripture, this passage says, this verse says God is, it's who he is. So how can we know how to love? How can you say, I love you to someone else 
without understanding the love of God, if he is love. You can't have love outside of God. And I hope we understand what that means. So to me, I understand that there are people who don't know the Lord and they say, I love you. I understand that. And, I, and they have uh, good intentions. So I'm not talking bad about that. Have good intentions. But that love will fail. The love Paul is talking about never fails. So if you've loved someone and you failed in that love, you just haven't had the full revelation yet of God's love working to you and through. And that's okay because he's still there. He says, seek my face while I may be found. I'm still here to show you how to receive and give love. All our failure in love does is remind us that we, how much more we need God and we need his love. Amen? 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9 says this in the New King James Version. Peter said, finally, all of you be of one mind. Hmm. And watch this word here, having compassion for one another. He says, love as brothers. Be tender hearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this. This just isn't a suggestion saying, hey, it'd be nice if you loved someone who didn't love you. No, no, no. He said, you're called to this. That here, and God always gives us the why, doesn't he? That you may inherit a blessing. And I truly believe, if you, if you look at the, the passage of scripture, you've got to see what Peter's saying and you've got to see what he's not saying. He said, you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So if you want to assure yourself of not inheriting a blessing, then don't love anyone. Treat them the way that they treat you. If they're mean to you, be mean to them. Seems fair to me. I mean, who, how many people will really come against you? If someone is mean to you and you're mean back to them, who would say, oh man, you, you just, you're not right. No, they would say, listen, they treated you that way. I don't see anything wrong with it, but not God. Not God. That's not what he would say. That's not what he would say. Listen to what it, how that same passage, uh, how, how, how the NLV puts it, the New Living Version. It says, last of all, you must share the same thoughts and same feelings. Come on. Love each other with a kind heart and with a mind that has no pride. When someone does something bad to you, do not do the same thing to them. When someone talks about you, do not talk about them. Instead, pray that good will come to him. You were called to do this so you might receive good things from God. You want to receive something good from God, then you must do these things. Someone does you wrong, how hard is it now? Come on, we can, and we can, we can say amen, we can nod our heads, and we can say yes, that's right. But come on, if you're like me, you would realize that in the flesh it is difficult when someone wrongs you to turn around and pray. That, not only pray for them, see, because I, I would pray for them. I said this the other week. I, I, would, I, you know, I, I don't have any problem praying for them. Yeah, Lord, uh, you know, touch them. Touch them hard and, uh, you know, touch them up. Lord, let them see how wrong they did me. Change their heart, Lord. You know, so it's, it's not about praying for them. But it says, pray good 
things happen to them. Oh, come on, Lord. Pray that good. They did me wrong, but I'm to pray that good things happen to them. Over in Romans chapter 5, Paul put it this way. That was Peter. Paul said this. 5 verse 6 to 8. He said, and this is how we can understand love. This is how we can understand it. For when we were still without strength, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't do it. You, you had no strength. In due time, Christ died, not for those who were doing right, not for, not for the, the, the Pharisees who uh, had it all together and had memorized scripture, not for the scholarly who knew how to show uh, uh, God's ways to others. No, he died for the ungodly. By the way, you and I were the ungodly, just in case you wanted to know that. For scarcely a righteous man will, will, will one die, yet perhaps for a good man would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, you know it, Christ died for us. The Living Bible says this, it says while we were utterly helpless, I love these words, adjectives that just really, while we were, not while we were helpless, while we were utterly pitiful, come on, while we were utterly helpless, no way of escape, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners who had no use for him. We didn't even know there was, a, we didn't know we needed to be saved. I didn't ask anybody to save me. I, I you know, I wasn't looking for someone to save me. We had no use for him. How often would you do something for someone that has no use for you? Can I just be vulnerable and transparent this morning? It's difficult for me. If I try to do something for someone and they don't appreciate it and they wave me off, I, you know, listen, okay, fine. I, I, don't, I don't have to speak to you. I don't have to do anything. I'll just go about my business. I'll help people who want to be helped. No, 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 no. Those, uh, the people that need love the most are those uh, who they seem like they need it the less. Those who reject you need it the most. Come on. They need your attention the most. Even if we were good, he says, we really wouldn't expect anyone to die for us. Though, of course, that might be barely possible. Maybe there might be one in 7.8 billion people. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. This is this is love. Love is, love, to us, love goes above and beyond. But can I tell you one thing, and I know you might not like this that much. Honestly, this is reasonable service to God. This is, this is reasonable service to him. To us, it's above and beyond, and that's okay, but we just have to look at it that way. It's, it, love is more. Love is not just doing something. I'll give you a few dollars or I'll do this and, uh, just so I can check it off and say that I did something for someone today. Love goes above and beyond. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. once said that, you know, darkness cannot drive out uh, darkness. Only light can do that. And hatred cannot drive out hatred. Only love. Only love can do that. Only love. And so let me just throw at you a couple of things 
Like everything, love has fruit. How do we know? So you have this definition. I have my definition uh, of love, you know, the giving of oneself at the expense of oneself for the benefit of others. That's my own personal definition. You probably have your definition of what love would be, how you receive love from God. We have these definitions, but then what does it look like? So there's many things to love. There's many words. We know all these Greek words for love, and there's many facets. Love has fruit. Love is like a tree. It's like anything else. And a tree is known by its fruit. In fact, we know that, how do we know that someone is filled with the Holy Spirit? How, how do you really know? How do you really know that? By the fruit, right? I mean, yeah, they can, maybe they speak in tongues. Maybe they know scriptures. Maybe they know a dance. Uh, I don't know what it is. You know, maybe they know all of those things. But really, Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. And I don't think that it's any uh, I don't think that it's, it's, it's a mistake that in Galatians 5.22, Paul said the fruit of the Spirit is this. What? Anybody? Love. I don't think it's any mistake that love is the first one. Love, joy, peace, tenderness, kindness, gentleness, faith. I don't think it's any mistake that love, because when you have love, when you, when you grab love, and you bring it with you, everything else comes behind it. Tenderness, meekness, gentleness, kindness, loving kindness, faithfulness. Love has to lead out. Love is the way. Love shows us the way. It has to be first. And so just let me throw at you a couple of, uh, of things that you can recognize in love. You can recognize in yourself. The first one is this, and it's obvious, is forgiveness. If you don't have forgiveness in your heart, you don't have love in your heart. I'm sorry. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Here it is. Here it is what it says. Ephesians 4.32, even as Christ forgave, that is big. Even as Christ forgave you, all you have to do is think about how Christ forgave you. Come on, you know you didn't deserve, you might think you did. Come on now, but you know you didn't deserve it. Even as Christ, the same way he forgave you, you forgive others. We must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. If we can't discover the power to forgive, we have not discovered the power to love. You can't have one without the other. We don't truly understand love if we don't understand forgiveness. If love is more a choice than an emotion, forgiveness even more so. You've got to choose to forgive. Because it doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come naturally. You have to make a choice. Just like you have to make a choice to love, you have to make a choice to forgive. Forgiveness means to grant relief, to cease, to feel resentment. Well, I forgave them, but, you know, I still don't like them very much. Well, could it be you still have a little resentment in your heart? And if you have resentment, then you have it truly forgiven. Here's why I believe that many people don't have a full understanding of forgiveness. Because once that offense is eradicated, it no longer holds any power and it cannot condition the relationship. How often have you forgiven someone or someone has said they forgive you, but there's still some kind of condition in your relationship? Come on. Now, I'm not talking about, I won't even get into, I'm not talking about empowering people an addict, right? So you would continue to give them money knowing that they're going to feed their addiction. That's not what I'm talking about. But you know what I'm talking about in your heart. 
where you still are a little separate because you were hurt or you were offended, and even though you forgive them. So forgiveness is important. Here's one that uh, you might not see coming, is self-love. Self-love is a fruit of love. Just like you love others, you have to love yourself. I, I came across this, uh, this old saying, Maya Angelou actually regurgitated this, and at first I was kind of baffled by what exactly uh, the proverb was trying to say, but Maya Angelou said, she said, I don't trust people who don't love themselves and yet tell me I love you. She said, there's an African saying, old African proverb, which says, be careful when a naked person offers you their shirt. I thought, <laughs> but it is, it is good. It's good because uh, you, you have to understand that if you, if you don't, if, if you debase yourself, here's the thing. You're slapping God in the face because Psalm says you were fearfully, where's that at, babe? You were fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you. So don't debase yourself. Now, there's a big difference in self-love, right, and, and being self-centered and being selfish. We're talking about self-love. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned, the works that he already prepared for us, so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. See, self-love prevents you from seeking approval from others. I don't need to go around to find out uh, someone to approve me so I can feel good about myself. If God says I'm okay, then I'm okay. Amen? If God says I'm okay, I'm okay. You become comfortable with the bad days when you love yourself. Come on, how many of us need to do that? I know I need to do that. I need to be comfortable with the bad days. Every day is not going to be what I would call a good day, right? So I'm comfortable with the bad days because it's okay. It's all in his hands. I like what Brother James and some of the elders always say. It's all about him. It's not about us. It's all, 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 <laughs> all. It's all about him. And then the third fruit that I'll throw at you, and there are many more, you could, throw, you could come up with a list, is surrender. Is surrender. When you surrender, here's the thing. When you surrender, it gives you power. That just doesn't make sense, does it, to the world? But when you surrender to God, it gives you power. For God has not given us, 1 Timothy. God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and watch this word, sound mind, Self-discipline goes along with that. A sound mind also means you have self-discipline. Come on. He gave us those things. When you surrender, it gives you victory over your enemies. Remember James 4, 7, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil first. Submit. Resist the devil and he'll what? He'll flee. I have power over him. In surrendering to God, I have power over the devil. It's a fruit. It's a fruit of love. When you surrender, it allows God to express his love toward you. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. So let's not fall into those things that hinder love, those things like selfishness. It's different than self-love. Selfishness is not the same as self-love or even self-interest. Some attributes of selfishness are gaining at the expense of others. Put someone else down so that I can go up. No, there's room for all of us. There's room for all of us. God's love 
putting myself above others to the point where I'm superior, taking actions that fail to consider, consider others' well-being, those are all pieces of selfishness, not self-love. And then self-centeredness. I always refer to this, Jody. Years ago, uh, Jody taught a class to the worship team, and she talked about the difference in self-centeredness and selfishness. And I, I thought they were the same thing, and it's not. You know, you can do a lot of things for a lot of people. I can give out. I can give my money away so I can say, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at how I love my wife. Look at how I give to others, right? Look at me. That's being self-centered. We don't want that. We don't want to fall into that. There is one thing worse than a fool that is a man who is conceited. Proverbs 26, 12. And then lastly, ungratefulness. Ungratefulness is one of the worst things in the world. To be ungrateful to each other and to be ungrateful to God, it's one of the worst things in the world. Watch it. It's, it's something I fight against because uh, it, it sneaks up on you. And that's the way I say I fight. You see, and people may say, well, you seem to be thankful. Yeah, you know, on the outside. But it's, it's a little thing in there that kind of sneaks in there. When you're ungrateful, you're ungrateful for the small things. We talked about this earlier when we heard these testimonies, things that we think are so small. We need to be grateful for everything that God does for us. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? You better be thankful. Even when you go to God with your petitions, Paul said, with thanksgiving. Make your petitions be made known unto God. Thanksgiving up front. Don't wait till he gives you something to thank him for it, by the way. Come on. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything gives thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. In everything, in everything, give thanks. And so love is so much more than just a word we use. It's so much more than just a word we use.